With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Week 12 Injury Report Edition. Hope you guys all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Now we can get back to important things like winning those fantasy football matchups. I'm your host, Ian Harditson. Joining me on this lovely Friday afternoon, PFF analyst Nick Botterford. Nick, what's going on, man? Hey, Ian. How you doing? Great day to be great, as always, and as always on this Friday edition, going through each and every position with a little bit of DFS chatter down the end. So appreciate all you guys that tune in with us live on YouTube. You guys got any specific start sick questions? Hey, maybe we'll try to get some of those along the way. But Nick, we're going to start things off with quarterback and Bears signal caller Justin Fields, officially questionable with that shoulder injury. He allegedly suffered a dislocated shoulder in his non-throwing arm last week. So the big thing here for me is the fact that let's face it all that fields has brought to the table is the big time rushing upside he's managed to flirt with some high-end touchdown you know rates throwing the ball here in recent weeks but at the end of the day we are starting him as recklessly and as much as it's worked over the past few weeks because of that rushing upside and nick even if he's gonna play which sounds possible he did practice in a limited fashion all week for the life of me i cannot expect fields to be as effective and as you know fully in injury prone as he has been not playing with a dislocated left shoulder so looking at the ranks now i still you know once i adjust these which you can always find on pff.com after getting this injury stuff in i do think i would still start fields ahead of the more one-dimensional guys like tom brady geno smith even you know your jimmy garoppolo's trevor lawrence's of the world that said joe burrow lamar jackson justin herbert if you are an upside qb1 like we like we feel about justin fields just give me the guy who's not playing with the dislocated left shoulder is that fair yeah, completely. Absolutely. If it's not going to be Justin Fields, we will have Trevor Simeon out there. So, look, this passing game has struggled with efficiency all season long. Dave Montgomery is the only must-start option in Chicago, I think, this week with Khalil Herbert completely out of the picture. Some good news, though, in Arizona. Kyler Murray not listed on the injury report and will be starting Sunday against the Chargers. So, thought we were going to get Cliff Kingsbury's usual bullshit, just calling him a game-time decision and dealing with the question later, but it does seem like he's fine. And he is going to warrant top-10 treatment. I would add Kyler Murray to the list of 
the quarterbacks I would be starting ahead of Justin Fields this week. Because even though we haven't seen that sky-high ridiculous ceiling, the one thing I will credit the Cardinals with is in 2020, they brought him back along from injury pretty quick. And accordingly, he really wasn't the same player. Last year, you saw them be a lot more diligent about only bringing Murray back when he was at 100%. So I really am expecting our usual Kyler Murray out there with a slightly healthier group of receivers, kind of. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. Less good news in Los Angeles with the Rams. Matthew Stafford out with a concussion and neck injury. John Wolford, though, not listed with a neck injury, which is why Sean McVay went ahead and told us that, hey, he would not confirm that Bryce Perkins will be under center. So it's kind of annoying, Nick, because not that Bryce was someone that we'd be actively looking to start. I mean, even if I knew he was going to be a starting quarterback this week, not someone that would be cracking the top 20, but for super flex, two quarterback leagues out there, you might actually be screwed here and not even be able to trust Perkins in that matchup because Walfer could feasibly go out there and work ahead of him. So end of the day, Rams are implied to score a week low 13.25 points. If you do not have a single Rams player in your starting fantasy lineup, there's a good chance your team's in a good spot. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson not listed with the hip injury, but just continues to not really be all that. Hasn't finished better than the fantasy QB 10 since week three. Hopefully they can get things going in a potential sneaky shootout against the Jaguars. Either way, good to see Lamar good to go. And finally, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers playing through the broken right thumb. It's always funny, Nick, how, you know, we start getting the clearer injury notes about how bad things are after the bad performances. No, uh, no talk about how bad Rodgers thumb was after that Cowboys game and the whole offense looked Looks great. Things go a little more south against Tennessee, and all of a sudden it's on the top of everyone's minds. But it's clearly impacting his accuracy. And we saw him earlier against the commanders this year choose not to throw the Hail Mary seemingly because of the arm strength issues. So in that passing game, it's Christian Watson. And beyond that, just tough to feel too confident about anyone involved, especially against his juggernaut Eagles secondary this week. Moving on to RB, Bengals running back Joe Mixon is officially out with a concussion. Now, the small part is that Chris Evans is back with a knee injury. He was not in the picture last week. So still think it's going to be the Samaje Piran show. If we go back and look at last season, we did have an example game against the Packers where Mixon played, but he was on a limited snap count. And in that game, Piran held advantages over Evans and carries 11-0, to targets 5-2, to and snaps 61% versus 10%. Last season in Week 18, Mixon and rested with the starters, as did Piran. And even in that game, Chris Evans worked a lot more side-by-side Travion Williams than I think people remember. So the question here with, with Nick is just how much we can trust Piran because a lot of weeks this would be like an RB1 role and we'd be willing to put him in the lower end. But with no buys and honestly with a lot of backfields just kind of breaking the right way for one single back, Right now, I have Piran as my RB19. And again, that feels low, but when I look at him against guys like Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, James Conner, Jeff Wilson, Damian Pierce, Ramondre Stevenson, I haven't even gotten into the top 12 running backs yet where I can assure you those guys are a lot more locked in. So overall thoughts on Samaje Piran because we saw last week what the ceiling can be for even a running back that's not maybe the most talented or, you know, just... I don't want to say athletic, uh, doesn't have the biggest big playability in the world. I think that's fair. Not trying to put down Piran, but again, there's just a lot of running backs set up well. Titans have been very good against the run, not so much against the pass. Overall thoughts on Piran in the spot. 
Yeah, I was optimistic that he would have a full workload with Chris Evans potentially missing, but Evans has been fine. Uh, he's you know practicing in full. So yeah, I, that I, I have to lower him. I had him as a high-end running back three to start the week. I think that RB19 is reasonable. He's 240 pounds, so if they get into scoring position, like they're going to battering ram him in there. Uh, so that keeps the ceiling relatively high. But Tennessee, despite all the injuries, they just keep playing good defense. Appreciate tuning in with us, Dante. He's wondering, Piran or Pacheco? I do still lean Samaje Piran here. Isaiah Pacheco, guys, has caught three passes this entire season, and the Chiefs are the only offense in the league throwing the ball over 70% of their snaps inside the 10-yard line. So I get it. This is a really good-looking week for Pacheco as 14-point favorites, but, man, you still got Aaron Donald on the other side of that uh, line of scrimmage, and I just you know wonder how many times can we continue to hope Pacheco's going to break through when we keep seeing Jarek McKinnon actually work ahead of him a little bit more so i saw piran just a little bit ahead of pacheco are you with me there nick yeah but i'll probably rank piran like one spot like it'll be piran pacheco so like i get it like if they got bryce perkins at quarterback and just can't do anything and and their chiefs control the clock the whole game like you know i wouldn't be surprised if pacheco outscores him but yes i will rank piran ahead of him it's not egregious. I have it right now. Pirine, Montgomery, Singletary, Gibson, Pacheco. So if you wanted, I think that's a tier because after that, I got Jamal and Sanders. And I think that's a, a legit tier drop off there. So good question. Pretty good problem to have. I will be yeah. taking Pirine. Uh, another big injury here, really impacting the DFS landscape, which we'll get to a little bit later. But Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert, doubtful with that knee injury. So when I wrote my running back article on Tuesday, I already called Jeff Wilson a must start before I even knew this was going to be an issue. Couldn't even be more clear now. So with Wilson, I'm not assured that he's going to just all of a sudden never leave the field. They still do have Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ackman who can take <laughs> a few of the snaps. But my God, Nick, again, we were already looking at 20 combined carries and targets potentially against the league worst Texans defense. So, you know, we can talk about should he be your RB6 or your RB10? Start Jeff Wilson. And if you're not starting him, you better be having, you know, Kenneth Walker and ETN or those guys there. Like, Nick, if you want to be difficult with it, like Alvin Kamara versus Jeff Wilson, I I'm leaning Jeff Wilson as crazy as that is to say out loud no i don't disagree with that and i think uh kamara was on the injury report they they were talking about his health for some reason today kamara so that's actually yeah i and it like it might have just been oh an, it was uh, an illness. illness he's fine he's okay fine. okay yeah. There are illnesses all over the place. We're going to get through, uh, you know, some of these guys that are fortunately fine. But yeah, it's a pain in the ass when you pull up your fantasy team on your phone and half the squad's questionable and you have no further information. That's why you listen to this Friday edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. So fire up Jeff Wilson everywhere. Now we have Broncos running back Latavius Murray was limited with a wrist injury, but practiced in full on Friday. Good to go. Obviously, Melvin Gordon got cut. Chase Edmonds is on IR now with an ankle injury. So expect the Marlon Mack to be there as well, but Latavius Murray is going to be a volume-based RB3 play. But once again, I can't move him up the ranks that much, Nick. It's the same thing with Cortland Sutton last week and this week. Like, all these things going right for the guy, and it's just hard to move him that much further up. Like, are we playing him over Isaiah Pacheco? Of course yeah. not. Like, I think there's a reasonable case to be made once we get into guys like, you know, 
let's like a Gus Edwards versus a Latavius Murray. I think that's fair. I think Deontay Foreman versus Latavius Murray is fair, but I'd honestly take both those guys over Latavius as well because Latavius is the one in the league's single worst scoring offense. And even the one stuff like we should be expecting him to be able to do well, man, this grinder, physical back, like he's dead last in yards after contact per carry this season among 50 qualified freaking running backs. So Latavius Murray, again, He's a guy that's going to be seeing 15 to 20 touches out there. And you can, you know, Nick, if you had 20 touches out there, we'd be thinking about playing your ass. So I don't want to completely be out in the guy. But again, it's just the entire offensive environment. And the Panthers' defense isn't bad at all. This isn't a game where we're looking at the Broncos as 14-point favorites like we are with Pacheco and the Chiefs. They're actually only now one-point favorites on the road in Carolina. So I have Murray, again, before altering some injuries, RB33. I think he might crack my top 30 just barely, but definitely not a must-start. Do you think that's fair, Nick? Uh, yeah, I think that's very fair. They're down there. They're starting left tackle, starting center. He's like 32 years old. But it, I, the thing with him, like this is he's an empty calories play. But if they do get into scoring position, like I could see him finding some sort of GPP value. I don't want to start him, but like I, I get it if you have to. But the, the names that you were saying earlier, I have them all ranked ahead of him. Look, I mean, I always say, like, I'm going to pick the other guy in close start-sit questions. So if it's Latavius Murray versus, you know, Deontay Foreman or Cordero Patterson or Miles Sanders, yeah, I'm taking the other guy because I consider those somewhat close. Now, if it's Latavius Murray versus, you know, Dontro Hilliard or Kyron Williams yeah. or something like that, okay, then I'll take Latavius. I'm not going to feel happy about it either way. Packers running back Aaron Jones not listed with the shin and glute injuries continue to fire him up as a recommended start each and every week as good as the Eagles offense um, Eagles defense is overall they have allowed 124. 134, 144, 168, 152, and 99 rushing yards in their last six games. Hasn't quite been as strong up the middle without Jordan Davis. That said, they did sign Linval Joseph and Adamic and Sue. Got them very involved immediately. So not a layup, but Aaron Jones has been so good and just the only source of offense there that I still think he will wind up in that top six team when everything's all said and done. Interesting one here. Buccaneers running back Leonard Fournette. Damn it, Schefter, it's another L, man. And uh, this has happened a few times now where we get the, you know, Sunday or the early week reports saying that the injury isn't believed to be serious. And, you know, I appreciate going out there on a limb. Just try to be right, I guess, with it. So, you know, it's better than just, you know, retweeting the team injury report, Nick. So I shouldn't be uh, too critical of the rare reporter actually trying to go out on a limb and give us some extra information. But regardless of all that, Schefter said over the bye that Fournette wasn't expecting to miss any game action. However, Fournette is indeed doubtful with the hip injury. So he was limited throughout the week. I mean, the way Todd Bowles phrased it was basically like they wanted him to be at 100% if he was going to go out there. So very possible another source, you know, wasn't aware of what Todd Bowles's, you know, treatment of a limited player was going to be. Regardless of all that, Rashad White certainly now looking like the feature back in Tampa. And going into this week, I have both guys, you know, ranked RB 29 and 30 because I do think when they're both healthy, we're going to see more of a 50-50 split right here. Another thing Bowles said was that it was going to be more of a hot hand approach, but you take Fournette out of that equation and it changes everything. Even considering as well that this is going to be a bad weather game in Cleveland, Roto-Grinders Kevin Roth has had 
has in the orange. Sustained 20-mile-per-hour winds, gusts up to 30. This is the one matchup, Tampa Bay and Cleveland, everyone, where if you have a close start sit, you want to knock someone down a bit in the passing game, this would be the spot to do it. But, hey, man, we start looking at Rashad White now, and I do think that he needs to be in the top 12, but we start talking about some really good running backs that were putting him ahead. Ultimately, I think his chance to just keep on eating these short dump-off targets is the difference maker. So when I look at Rashad White, and these are big names, Nick, but damn it, it's also Rashad White stepping into an every-down role. Nick Chubb, Damian Pierce, James Conner. I feel more confident in White's workload, albeit I trust some, some of those guys a little more in the efficiency department. Right now, I'm thinking about putting White ahead of Chubb as my RB12. How do you feel when I say that out loud? Uh, first, I, I found it unreasonable, but I, <laughs> I actually I've got Chubb as the running back 16 and I don't really have an impetus to move him up. So I could see that happening. I think you're right that that he needs to be ahead of Damian Pierce. I like James Conner against the tra- uh, Chargers, though, like that's, that's you know, worst run defense in the league. So I would stick with uh, Conner there. But um, yeah, I mean, I I have. That's the Terry's. That's fun. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there you go. That's the Terry's in. That's good. Look, I'm guessing that you don't have four of these players on your fantasy roster. So Rashad White, very, very good play this week. And again, it's one of those things where I've been softer on him only because if you look at, you know, Pollard versus Zeke, Herbert versus Montgomery, these other situations that infuriate the fantasy managers, how can these NFL coaches not start the backup? It hasn't been that way in Tampa Bay in terms of just the same extent in those other situations. I mean, Fournette's average the same amount of yards after contact per carry, more yards per route than Rashad White this year. White has the lead in yards per carry, but like it's 3.7 versus 3.4. I agree with the eye test that White has looked like the more explosive back, and there's enough stuff about him as a prospect to be excited about this. Just realize, I mean, White's been out there a lot this season already, and it hasn't been all roses. That said, you're facing the league's second-worst scoring defense, and that is going to help matter. So Rashad White should be in fantasy lineups of most shapes and sizes. Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the IR with that ankle injury. So we already talked about Pacheco for a, a bit, but yep, set up awfully well from a game script perspective against that Rams defense. Ravens running back Gus Edwards with the hamstring and knee issues. Officially questionable. I believe he did get in a full practice on Friday, though, so seemingly on the verge of returning. The problem is, and we've already talked about all these really good running backs this week, it's going to be tough to squeeze them inside the top 30 because Kenyon Drake and even Justice Hill going to stay pretty damn involved in an offense that that, hey, the Ravens are winning, and that's what real-life football is all about. Not our fantasy teams. It's about winning those real-life games. That said, it hasn't been pretty. Just 21.3 points per game from weeks to from weeks 4 to 11. So, honestly, in this backfield, it's not just on these guys. It's on the fact that they're not being given opportunities much in the first place. 28th in total carries all these running backs and dead last in target. So continuing to answer most close start sit questions with Gus, with Drake, with Latavius Murray. Give me the other guy. Handful of backup issues to get through. Titans running back is Don Haskins. Questionable with a hip injury. Just a good reminder that Dontrell Hilliard is one of the lower-owned handcuffs out there. I do think if Haskins is healthy, him and Hilliard would be splitting things fairly evenly without Henry, but it'd be Hilliard getting all the pass-down roll in an offense that would probably be passing the ball a lot more without Derrick Henry. 
Falcons running back Caleb Huntley questionable with an ankle. This unfortunately explains why they went more to a two running back committee last week with Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. So obviously Huntley doesn't matter, but if he's completely out of the picture, we can feel that much better about CPAT and to a lesser extent, Tyler Algier. Yes. Steelers running back Jalen Warren not expected to play on Monday night after not practicing on Thursday or Friday. Tomlin did call him questionable earlier in the week, but it's all setting up very nicely for Najee Harris. Again, with Najee, like he's been bad this year from an efficiency perspective, a little bit better over the past few weeks. He's gotten healthier. I'm not trying to, you know, slander the guy, but he was bad last year too. The big difference was last year he had the second most expected PPR points per game behind only freaking Derrick Henry. This year he's tied for the RB14. So, you know, when you're the RB2 and expected and you underperform, you're still falling and you're still in the top 10. When you're RB14 expected, that same fall is going to leave you outside the top 20. And finally, in New Orleans, uh, as Nick brought up earlier, Alvin Kamara was popping up with that illness, didn't practice on Thursday, good to go on Friday and not listed. Mark Ingram is questionable with a knee, but it's Alvin Kamara. We're going to see him get plenty of usage regardless. I will say, though, Nick, do you get the f- same feeling I am that they seem to be trending more and more towards just throwing Taysom under center man like no good news about Jameis Andy Dalton just throws for three touchdowns last week I thought arguably has best game of the year but the first report after the game is how they want more out of the Taysom package so do you think that by like just gun to your head here let's get dark Dwayne I used to have the Girl Scout analogy but we'll, we'll go legit gun to your head here Nick and so that's <laughs> this is asking a lot I get it but would you say by week 15 Andy Dalton or Taysom Hill is, st- is starting at QB for the New Orleans Saints I will go with Andy Dalton. Okay, that's fair. What about you? You look like Andy Dalton, so you kind of need to ride that wave. So I will give you that. I, you know, I think it's possible for Taysom. I think it's possible. So okay, I'll go with Dalton. I guess that's my uh, big way of you know not even giving you guys a fun answer there. I will also go with Dalton, but Taysom Hill still available in over sixty percent of ESPN leagues. If by some chance it happens, I mean, let's just like right now, if Taysom Hill was the starting quarterback. Would you be playing Taysom Hill as a quarterback or George Kittle at tight end, Nick? Probably Taysom Hill. Oh, he, oh yeah. If, right. Yeah, if, if yeah, totally. If if Taysom has tight end eligibility, yeah, he'll be way the hell up there. So that um, tells you what that lottery ticket could be if that change does happen to take place. So if you have the roster room on the bench and Taysom Hill happens to be available, he is one of those rare lottery tickets out there. Guys, let's move on to some wide receiver goodness. Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase questionable with the hip injury. He didn't get a full practice in this week, so it's not a given he's going to be out there. Nick, did you get any action? Do you hear any reports and stuff other than Joe Burrow st- saying earlier in the week that he expects Chase to play? No, and I, I didn't appreciate that from him because he <laughs> he got me. And then yeah, but I can see while you're talking, I can see what uh, our guy Jeff has to say. Okay, that's cool. But yeah, Chase, look, if he's out there, we're starting him. And if he's not out there, we're feeling better about Tyler Boyd. But we're starting T Higgins regardless. So this is the sort of matchup where we are expecting the passing game to continue. Honestly, great job by Burrow over two of the past three weeks without Chase uh, putting up some big numbers. We're feeling good about them regardless. Don't need me to tell you that. On the Eagles side of things uh aj brown also popped up with a dmp with an illness but he is fine not listening on the final injury report same thing with Devonte smith although it was a knee once again i mean not the most amazing matchup credit to the packers for allowing the 12th fewest fantasy points per game but without goddard we can feel a lot better about the condensed targets around ajb and Devonte moving forward they should be in fantasy lineups of most shapes and sizes ajb and all of them of course 
sneaky kind of big one here. Jets wide receiver Corey Davis not listed on the final injury report with a knee injury. He's expected to have his starting spot back. Now, we did get word that Denzel Mims, uh, Nick, has carved out, played well enough that he also has a role. Elijah Moore not expecting him to completely leave the equation and obviously have presumed number one wide receiver Garrett Wilson still out there. So, Having Mike White under center, I think, gives this offense a higher floor, pretending like, okay, I do enjoy some of the memes that are pretending like he's, you know, the next Tom Brady. So that that's fun. We can laugh at that. I don't know that he's going to be this immediate boom, though, for like Garrett Wilson or Elijah Moore or Corey Davis because we continue to have the problem with the Jets where they rotate even four to six receivers sometimes out there. Barrio, Barrios and Jeff freaking Smith are probably still going to see snaps as well. And Mike White, like, yes, he was a little bit more efficient than Zach, but there's a reason for that because he never looks downfield. Like the only two quarterbacks in the NFL with checkdown rates over 10% over these past two seasons are Mike White and Joe Flacco. So I get it. Like Zach Wilson wasn't making even the easy stuff work. And Mike White is better at making the easy stuff work, but he's not getting a lot of the stuff Hard stuff working down the field, and a lot of that stuff needs to include these wide receivers. So, to me, I think Mike White is great news for Michael Carter. I think he's great news for Tyler Conklin. Having Corey Davis back in the picture, who let's not forget outgained Garrett Wilson and was this Jets' leading receiver before he actually got injured in the first place. It's too crowded of a wide receiver situation for me to rank any of these guys inside my top 36, Nick. So, Mike White. Good for Michael Carter. Good for Tyler Conklin. I think Corey Davis coming back and muddling up this wide receiver room is a bigger deal than anything about the quarterbacks involved. Your overall thoughts on this Jets situation, if you're confident starting anybody really at this point. Yeah, so I'll, I would say start Garrett Wilson. And there some of this is narrative. They have a, a turbulent locker room right now. They just got Elijah Moore feeling a little bit better about things. Their quarterback is complaining about his role in Zach Wilson. I don't think they want to um, upset the apple cart too much. Piggybacking off something that you mentioned earlier in the week with your, I think it's called your, your entertainment rating, where we look at the combination uh-huh. of big-time throw rate and turnover-worthy play rate. Mike White was like a percent and a half better in that regard uh, than Zach Wilson. He does, he did check down a lot uh, last year, but it's fair to point out they didn't really have like the the best receiving options were also like Michael Carter. So the the complexion of the offense is is different than it was the last time we saw him. But he was a little bit more of an aggressive thrower. The team allowed him to throw more frequently than they did Zach Wilson. Um, I think that they'll kind of lean back into that a little bit. And Garrett Wilson has just proven to be an absolute baller. I I think they know, I think that they know, this is the assumption of rational coaching. I think that they know that they need to keep him uh, involved here. And like Garrett Wilson, I, I, so I broke him down for uh, in the top five wide receiver cornerback matchups to target. He's going up against Kendall Vildor. That's who I think he's going to face on the majority of his snaps. And like, you know, you all just went who. And so, yeah, that's, that's the point here. Um, so I will roll with Garrett Wilson on, on Jamar chase. Uh, uh, Jeff Muller does think that he'll play. He thinks he'll be on a limited uh, snap count though. Okay, always tough to go with that. I would just say if we do find out Sunday morning, Jamar Chase is going to play, but if it's going to be limited and they don't tell us like, okay, 10 to 15 snaps, because something like that, okay, that's when you probably can't start the guy. But even a limited version of Jamar Chase, man, I think it's going to find a way to be in the position's top 20. Like limited Jamar Chase versus Devontae Smith. I'd probably still take Jamar Chase. Yeah. What, what about you? Yeah. All right. Yep. So that, that's still going to be a good spot for Jamar Chase. And with Garrett, I think I think you're on to something. I probably overstated the running backs a lot deeper than wide receiver this week. So I think Garrett would still be a top 36 play. I'm just going to have 
have him closer to fellow rookies, Drake London and Traylon Burks and even George Pickens than I probably would have otherwise if Corey Davis wasn't back in the picture. Colts wide receiver Paris Campbell had the illness and they do play on Monday night, but he already returned to practice expecting him to be absolutely fine. Last four starts with Matt Ryan under center PPR wide receiver 10, 5, 11, and 32. So yes, I get it. The last one, not quite the same as those top 12s, but the man has been soaking up plenty of targets lately. I don't think it's a coincidence that started to happen without Naeem Hines in the picture. So Paris Campbell on Monday night against the Steelers defense that is getting healthier, but still bottom two group in the league in terms of PPR points per game allowed to opposing wide receivers. Rock solid wide receiver three for me this week. In Kansas City, Kadarius Tony out with the hamstring. Juju Smith-Schuster back in, not listed with that concussion. So Juju, man, in week six, seven, and eight, before he actually got injured, wide receiver seven, wide receiver four, and wide receiver eight. So all the PPR-friendly volume, and with MBS, Justin Watson, Sky Moore, just none of them really established themselves at all in this passing game. I mean, Juju in full PPR, you're going to have him as a top 16 option. I'm looking at him right there alongside guys like Christian Kirk, Amari Cooper, and Debo Samuel should be starting in far more fancy lineups than not. Rams wide receiver Allen Robinson questionable with an ankle injury. It's a 430 game. So we have Robinson and we also have Tyler Higby with a knee injury. They're questionable as well for 430. We don't know a freaking quarterback is going to be under center. Maybe Cam Akers and uh, freaking Kyron Williams are finally going to be splitting this backfield between two guys without having to worry about Daryl Henderson. But I don't know, Nick. Malcolm Brown's off the team. I, we got to find that out a couple of weeks ago, but maybe we have freaking Ronnie Rivers back in the equation. Mm-hmm. Nothing is certain in this Rams offense, and they're implied to score, again, 13.25 freaking points. So, again, any somewhat close start-sit question, Allen Robinson, Higby, any of these guys, take the other one, especially now that we actually have active health issues involved with A-Rob and Higby. With the Chargers, Mike Williams officially out with the ankle injury. So Keenan Allen back to you know being locked in as a volume-based wide receiver too. And then we have Josh Palmer. So he's had PPR wide receiver 10 and wide receiver 3 finishes in two of the last three weeks. I guess I'm just a little hesitant to come all the way around on the guy, Nick, because Last week, he did benefit from both Mike and Gerald Everett being out of the picture. And man, like Keenan Allen was out for such a long stretch in the beginning of the year, and Palmer couldn't really do much of anything. I will say it did seem like he was starting to get that eight out up a a little bit last week, at least on the first long touchdown he did. So maybe Mike being out is better for Palmer than Keenan being out because we just saw Austin Eckler eat up more of the underneath stuff. But I have Palmer right now as my wide receiver 27, so top 30 play. That said, if I have him low enough like that, you know, it's going to be questions when I'm getting him versus Ayuk, Devontae, and guys like that, where maybe he isn't going into starting lineup have you seen enough out of palmer these last few weeks to make him someone that i should i should maybe be ranking higher more so in that must start conversation i have him as my wide receiver 30 so we're we're pretty close here yeah Awesome. Debo Samuel questionable with a hamstring injury and they do play in that afternoon slate. So not ideal. Continue to update it. He practiced all week in a limited fashion. We saw on the Monday night game in Mexico City several times going off to the sideline, getting worked on a little bit. So I think they're just continuing to kind of handle the issue uh, and just play through it. So Debo just we've talked about his workload being down, but the guy's so damn good that even if he's not being, you know, the top three, top five overall fantasy play, he was last year 
here. I mean, even the reduced version, we're still looking at an upside wide receiver too at worst more weeks than not. So similar to the McCaffrey conversation, like, yeah, it'd be a lot cooler if we had this guy getting every single touch and every single play, even with the limited workload that makes sense inside of this talented but crowded offense. We're still starting them in fantasy lineups of all shapes and sizes. With the Broncos, Jerry Judy out once again with the ankle, as is KJ Hamler. So behind Colton Sutton, only Kendall Hinton was actually out there running a route on even 50% of the dropbacks. It was at a respectable 86% for Hinton, but obviously we don't care that much about him. It does go to Cortland Sutton. I have Sutton right next to Joshua Palmer and Garrett Wilson right now. I would play guys like Christian Watson, Gabe Davis, and he already played, obviously, but I would play guys like Christian Watson, Brandon Ayuk, Devontae Smith ahead of Cortland Sutton. Am I am I penalizing Sutton too much for what he hasn't done for us, Nick, or do you think that's about right? No, I, I've got him as a mid-range wide receiver three. Perfect. Just sad. Yeah. But perfect. Ravens yeah. wide receiver Demarcus Robinson questionable with the hip injury. And Devin, what the hell happened in Baltimore practice this week? Demarcus Robinson, Devin Duvernay, <laughs> and Isaiah Likely were all midweek additions. And like, I think two of them were on Friday. Isn't this supposed to be a walkthrough? Like, chill out, guys. So, yeah, this sucks. Robinson coming off 128 yards. Duvernay's been slacking a little bit, but we still know as one of the few remaining wide receivers in this offense that he's, you know, capable of finding the end zone once or twice, but man, mid week additions. No, it's really tough to get behind either of these guys. Both are going to be dropping into the probably wide receiver five territory in the ranks. I mean, again, it was great to see Robinson do that last week. It's a winnable enough matchup against the Jaguars, but again, this passing game and Lamar Jackson, not fully putting it on Lamar. I'll defend the guy all the time. And I do think he still deserves some benefit to doubt because same thing with Lamar, same thing with Daniel Jones, same thing with Justin Fields. These offenses that struggle to put up even 200 passing yards through the air, they already had bad wide receiver rooms and bad groups of pass catchers relative to the rest of the league. And when you start getting guys injured from that group, what do you expect to happen? What are Lamar and Daniel Jones supposed to do out there when they're throwing the backups of a room that we already didn't think was any good? So just keep that in mind when you get these questions. Important one here, Nick. Cardinals wide receiver Marquise Brown expected to be activated and return uh, off the injured reserve, so that's good to hear. Rondale Moore is out with a groin injury, and Greg Dortch, the only Cardinal this week that got called a game-time decision by Cliff Kingsbury. So, hell yeah, Cliff. Only gave us one. I thought it was going to be roughly five of them. So, with Dortch, look, we've seen him without Rondale. He's had the four games where he's, you know, managed to go seven catches, 55 yards in a tutty, nine for 90, and then nine for a 103 in Mexico City. Again, the problem, though, is they're playing in that late afternoon time slot. And if he is that true game time decision, unless we hear something on Sunday night, we're not going to know if he's going to be out there until probably 2.30 or so Eastern time in the afternoon. So, Dorch, anything close start sit questions. I'm talking about guys like Curtis Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Darius Slayton already played, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Darnell Mooney, DJ Moore. I'm starting all those guys over Greg Dorch because we don't know if he's going to be out there the more interesting question, Nick, is Marquise Brown and what to immediately make of him. Where do you go with Marquise Brown? Because as great as he was during that first stretch of the season, I don't think he's necessarily going to be taking a bunch of the same sort of volume as a Hopkins, as a Rondale Moore. 
We've seen Kyler a little bit hesitant to throw downfield, but I do tend to agree with the idea that wide receivers kind of own and create their own average target depth. And Marquise Brown being out there as the first real with some offense to Robbie Anderson here, just to be honest, like it's tough to say anything he's done there. With offense to Robbie Anderson, Marquise Brown is the only real field stretcher on this roster and really has been the entire season. So could be hopefully the key that unlocks this group. Obviously some more stuff going on, but Marquise Brown, where do you fire him up in his first week back? Uh, high-end wide receiver three, I guess is the way that I would phrase it. I mean, the 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 Charger secondary has been shockingly uh, bad. They're down J.C. Jackson, who had a terrible year, but he, you know, he yeah. is their the guy. They're paying him to be their number one. Uh, their their slot corner Bryce Callahan. He practiced in full, but he's dealing with a groin injury. Like I think limited work. I don't know. Marquise Brown could run down the field to to the end zone one time, and you know, like he's healthy enough to do that. So I, I think you can start him. I think I would he's good probably my like wide receiver 25 or 26. I would still That's take where I have him. Oh nice, perfect. I would take him ahead of Christian Watson. But yeah, I'm looking at Cortland Sutton, Josh Palmer. Garrett Wilson, I want Marquise Brown over all those guys. And if not, again, that's about the tier he's in. That's about the range. Good stuff there. Panthers wide receiver Terrence Marshall, questionable with a shoulder. Shai Smith not listed with another one of those illnesses. Look, we have Sam Darnold under center against a consensus top three defense in the Denver Broncos. Don't start anybody on the Panthers if you can help it. Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard not listed with the shoulder. Randall Cobb not listed with an illness. Romeo Dobbs once again out with the ankle. So I will just caution Christian Watson, he's been booming, but the way they're using him will still lead to some busts because last week in that Thursday night game, I mean, Lazard had 11 targets, Aaron Jones had seven, Cobb had six, and Watson had six. So yes, he's playing better than anyone out there, and that should lead to more opportunities down the road. But man, this Eagles defense, fourth in PFF coverage grades, second in EPA allowed per pass play. This is a legit top 10 secondary. The Packers' best and probably easiest means to success, probably attacking that front, that Jordan Davis list front seven with Aaron Jones and maybe even a little bit of A.J. Dillon. So, again, I have Christian Watson as my wide receiver 24. I think he should be in more starting lineups than not. But with that volume, I don't think he's this must-start under no circumstances. Can you hit your bench type of guy just yet? It's similar to, you know, different positions, but like Deontay Foreman some of these past weeks, man, it's it feels so bad to put someone, you know, that legit just scored two or three touchdowns on your bench, but if I'm getting questions where it's like Christian Kirk, Amari, you know, Christian Kirk, Amari Cooper, and Tyler Lockett, or Christian Watson, yeah, like I'm probably putting Christian Watson on the bench in that scenario. Still a solid a wide receiver too, just maybe don't go absolutely loco with it. Buccaneers wide receiver Russell Gage out with a hamstring injury. Julio Jones low-key ran around 77% of Tom Brady's dropbacks in Germany before the bye. Only concern is, once again, the weather conditions in Cleveland with all those winds and stuff like that. So more of a flex play in season long. Maybe if you want to fire him up in some tournaments, that's fine. This is a banged-up Brown secondary. Greg Newsom once again sideline. And Denzel Ward. Bro, Brown's another team. These AFC North squads are just freaking going full pads on Fridays because Greg Newsom their corner got concussed at practice last Friday and now Denzel Ward's popping up on the injury list with a groin injury on Friday so banged up secondary unfortunately I just think the weather is going to be an issue there speaking of the Browns David Bell though is going to be back from that concussion that's fine we don't really care fantasy though and Dwayne Eskridge out with the Seahawks Marquise Goodwin going to work as the number three receiver I forget what grinder we had in the YouTube chat asking you know how Eskridge's uh, you know absence would impact the third wide receiver spot so I called our asses out, Nick. So we got to, you know, back this up in the future, watch the film and get better. And with that, we have Marquise Goodwin, Seahawks wide receiver three. 
And with that, we're moving on to tight ends. We're Browns tight end David Njoku, not listed on the injury report with the ankle and knee issues. He kind of scared everyone when he got Wednesday off, but that was something happening before he got injured really in the first place. So no setbacks or anything. And head coach Kevin Stefanski even said Njoku is, quote unquote, one week better, and they'll see if they can increase, increase his workload further this week. So firmly in the tight end one conversation, and it's just a matter of if and when, I should say, we see him get back to that full-time role because he looked healthy as hell last week and went out there hurdling dudes his backups kept dropping touchdowns so they want the joker to be out there i have him right now as my tight end eight behind guys or actually i think i'm even gonna move him up to tight end seven with uh higby being banged up so I'm, i i have schultz Hawkinson, who already played Fryermuth ahead of Najoku. I would start Najoku ahead of guys like greg dolchich cole Komet, Jawan johnson hayden hurst etc that sounded about right nick yeah, I have him in that in that range, and I need to do a rankings update. I think that I'll slide him up higher. Josh Jacobs questionable. Oh, if we're getting fake news on this, I'm going to be upset. Or he just oh, he got added to it. All right, shout yeah. out PBM. Thank you, man. I'm sorry for doubting you, and I missed your question earlier. Rashad White over Christian Kirk with no Leonard Fournette. I think we're going Rashad White, right, Nick? Who is that over Rashad, Christian Kirk? Yeah. Ooh, I, I like. That's I think that's just a good problem to have. I I would go yeah. white with the with the workload, but yeah, I like Christian Kirk this week too. You said it right. I mean, I have Christian Kirk right now as my top fifteen wide receiver, thirty first ranked player at the position. I do think I'm going to have Rashad White just a few spots ahead. But appreciate that note there on Josh Jacobs being questionable, and it's with a calf injury, so it's not even that illness thing that we can hopefully just overlook. So Josh Jacobs questionable with the calf. How to go through this when he didn't make the team flight earlier in the year. I do think Zamir White is the recommended ad. I don't think that's a situation where we would be ranking Zamir White all that confidently, though, if Jacobs does wind up being ruled out. So this week, they're in Seattle. It's a winnable matchup on the ground there. I mean, that game could turn into a sneaky shootout of sorts. That said, Josh Jacobs, who right now I have as my RB11, you should be starting him in every lineup pretty much no matter what, as long as we find out he's going to be out there healthy enough. I mean, if he's out of the picture, I'm not starting Zamir White over Antonio Gibson over Isaiah Pacheco. It's not even close. I wouldn't start him over Latavius Murray. And I said That's enough I bad things about Latavius Murray. So <laughs> I, like, would you? I'd, I'd go Latavius. Yeah, I would too. But that that's I started to laugh. That's the guy I was going to ask you. We do have some uh, high chances of rain in Philly and Jacksonville. So, yeah, it doesn't help that passing game. Probably another reason to lean towards Rashad White in the Baltimore um, in, in that previous question versus Christian Kirk. So, okay, yeah, it's going to be a low-end RB3 for Zamir White because the problem is they do trust Jacobs enough in the pass down work. Accordingly so. You guys have seen what he's been able to do out there. I think we see much more of the New England-style committee. I was honestly expecting McDaniels to deploy in Las Vegas throughout the season with Brandon Bolden with Amir Abdullah working alongside Zamir White. And I know my guy Nathan Yonke continues to point out, rightfully so, that just based on some of the preseason usage we did see, Amir Abdullah might be someone that they aren't, you know, terrified of giving some early down work as well. So Zamir White, someone that I probably expect to see, you know, around 12 combined carries and targets, doesn't make him a must start guy by any stretch. With the Falcons, Kyle Pitts on IR with that knee injury, and even Felipe Franks questionable with a calf injury. Anthony Ferkser, uh, low-priced DFS punt if you're into that kind of thing. Ravens tight end Isaiah, Isaiah Likely. Hey, 
if he's out with this ankle injury, then Mark Andrews is going to have an even higher ceiling. But you weren't starting likely before, and you weren't even considering benching Andrews before. So just wanted to tell you guys that. Now, useless piece of information, more or less. Chargers tight end Gerald Everett not listed with the groin injury. So good news for him there. I will say, looking at these tight end rankings, David Njoku or Gerald Everett this week, Nick. I think that's probably going to be back-to-back, but I lean Njoku. I do too, but that's awfully close. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's close because Njoku is still working his way back into getting that full-time role. But when both these guys have their usual role, it actually is higher for Njoku. And I do think with Everett, again, having Keenan Allen back, it would make sense if Justin Herbert's pecking order is, you know, Keenan, Palmer, and Eckler before he does get to Everett. Still, though, I mean, I'm talking about a guy that can still legit be a top eight tight end this week. That's pretty tough to find out there in Fantasyland. Panthers tight end Robert Tunyon, fine with the illness, but his production hasn't been fine. One game with even 40 receiving yards this season, barely a top 20 tight end for me week and that for me this week, and that feels a bit generous. Logan Thomas questionable with a rib injury and did not practice on Friday. So I know Logan Thomas had a decent game last week. His usage has been trending in the right direction. Cannot start Logan Thomas this week with that newfound issue. Hayden Hurst, Evan Ingram, Foster Moreau, Trey McBride, all these guys are way better stopgap villains than Thomas talked a little bit about Tyler Higby before being questionable with this knee injury and yeah they're playing at 430 so I'm gonna drop Higby man probably to like low end tight I mean would you play Tyler like would you play Tyler Conklin knowing that Higby is at risk of not even playing this weekend Nick I think I would I mean I'm more worried about Bryce Perkins than I am yeah Higby's okay knee. there we go so <laughs> Tyler Higby, he was starting to get that full-time roll back, but yeah, just too much going on. I'm, I'm happy you said that. I was even overthinking this. Tyler Higby, don't start him. That's our official stance on that injury. One kind of interesting situation, if you really try to find the uh, cheapest tight ends possible, like I do every single week on DraftKings. In Carolina, Ian Thomas is questionable with an illness, didn't practice at the end of the week. Steven Sullivan is questionable with an illness. And Giovanni Ricci, who uh, I've Never said that name in my life, but here we are. He's doubtful with a neck injury. So if we take away these three tight ends, Nick, we might actually have a rare full-time role for Tommy Tremble, who never gets used as a receiver, but he kind of threw off a bunch of, you know, I guess people that probably never watched how he was used at Notre Dame, I believe, was where he went. But Tommy Tremble like, has the athleticism, you know, spark X score of a better tight end. And we've actually seen him flash a time, like literally once or twice probably in his NFL career, where he kind of looks the part, again, would not even dream of starting him in season long. But Tommy Tremble, Nick, he's got to be like only 2.5K on DraftKings. I- I've heard I've heard crazier things. I, I've heard crazier. Th- that's a fine there way to put go. it. There we go. And finally, Colts tight end Colin Granson deal with an illness, but we cannot trust these Colts tight ends because they continue to rotate so many of them. Did I miss anything, Nick? I believe we got all of those injuries. Shout out to our friends over at Underdog NFL, who I always go to to make sure I didn't forget anything. They do post out their handy-dandy graphics and their key news to watch. And Seriously, give them a follow at Underdog underscore underscore NFL. But Justin Fields is I guess officially a game time decision. We are looking for other means there. Jamar Chase, someone that, again, unless we find out Jamar Chase's pitch count is like 10 or 15 plays, he's still going to be a top 20 uh, play regardless. Debo Samuel, questionable. Leonard Fournette, doubtful. Raheem Mostert, doubtful. Marquise Brown's expected to play. Higby, we are not playing, even though he's questionable. Gus Edwards is questionable, although he did practice in full. And Allen Robinson is questionable. Very similar sentiment to Tyler Higby, though, where it's just the offense and the injury. 
salary. Why do you want to play these guys regardless? And with that, guys, we are going to go pay a few bills with our lovely sponsors before moving on to some DFS chatter. First up, our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their games and get $150 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up. Same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win. Player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PFF. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. Note that minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Also love our friends over at Western Southern. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up now to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. And finally, my favorite place to play, Redraft Dynasty Fantasy Football. Got to give a shout out to our friends over at Sleeper. Now, guys, I always talk shit about myself, you know, being in the PFF Fantasy League. Sadly, I think we're like five and six, limping to a, maybe not even a playoff burst. So we don't have that going. But I am in two Sleeper Leagues. I drafted another one with some analysts and I think people from like Saudi Arabia, some other really weird country, Nick. I'm kicking all their asses. So I don't care if you're playing fantasy in America, if you're playing in Russia, if you're one of those Russian porn bots that, you know, come check out the show. Sometimes if you have a fantasy team against me, I will do everything in my power to take you down, especially if we are playing on Sleeper. Such a great app. And we will got to go through our Sleeper of the week here, Nick. And I think it's a good transition straight to our DFS side of the show. So again, Trying to think of the sleeper of the week. I am going to go with one of my favorite tournament plays over there at running back because when you start assessing the landscape, all the value in the 5K range at running back, it's going to get filtered onto the guys with the pretty clear-cut injuries that are forcing someone to come up and all of a sudden get that bigger workload. So Jeff Wilson sitting right there. We have Rashad White down with just 5.1K. Even Antonio Gibson without J.D. McKissick continues to be a potentially chalky play. So trying to get in between and figure out someone else who to attack that range with. My God, Samaji Pirine's at 5.6K there. I think Isaiah Pacheco at just 5.5K in a perfect game script spot against a good defense, but still at home in Arrowhead coming off a week where we have Clyde Edwards-Lair now on IR. Never been a more definitive two-back committee in Kansas City. Please don't make me eat those words, Ronald Jones. I think Isaiah Pacheco would be one of the chalkier backs on this slate if we didn't have, again, a lot of value opening up right alongside beside him. So I get it. It's DraftKings. We're not getting, you know, we are getting the full point per reception. So someone like Pacheco, only three receptions on the season, far from ideal from that standpoint. So if we are going to play him, let's do it in a week where he's expected to get 20 plus touches potentially, given the game script, given the injury to CEH, and maybe just maybe find his way into the end zone once or twice. So I get it. Pacheco, he's my you know low-end RB2 for me in terms of season long, but I do think in DFS, he has the perfect blend of being at a right price point where he's almost certainly going to be overlooked. And if you just, again, crossed out his name, crossed out everything we knew about it, and you just said, hey, we had the definitive clear lead back in the NFL's top-scoring offense at home, favored by 14 and a half, 
Sounds pretty good to me, Nick. So again, appreciate our friends over there at Sleeper. Go give them a try if you have not already in your fantasy football quest. And with that, let's talk a little DraftKings here. Nick, your cheat sheet will be out for the folks on Saturday. But of course, you know, with Thanksgiving, driving our freaking editors mad. I'm so thankful for all of them continuing to put up with our content hijinks. We're just going to be going through a little bit more of a straight up positional preview today. So really, it's interesting at quarterback because especially in cash, there's no real sure thing. We have guys like Justin Fields, maybe even a Kyler, who we aren't sure how fully healthy they are. Lamar Jackson is someone who just hasn't been playing that well, and we got the rainy conditions in Jacksonville. I think paying up, I probably feel the best about Justin Herbert and having his, you know, condensed targets there with Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer. If you want to do Gerald Everett, that's reasonable. Or if I'm going down, I oh man, I was leaning Trevor Lawrence, but if it is going to be rainy and gross in Jacksonville, that's an interesting spot. So I guess the big takeaway here is a quarterback, even more than usual, because it's always has such flat ownership. Really, the world is your oyster at the position this week, Nick. Yeah, so I, at, at the risk of being as chalky as possible, I, I do think that the Kansas City offense is going to just, when they don't have the ball, they're going to take, the defense will be taking it away again. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have like an exorbitant amount of opportunities to score. So paying up for him seems totally reasonable to me. I also like the idea of stacking Geno with DK Metcalf or or Lockett, but I wrote up Metcalf um, against Las Vegas. He's at uh, 6,000 even this week. Again, shout out to our guy, Kevin Roth, over at Roto-Grinders. And just quickly, the two games in the green where we aren't overly concerned – Baltimore and Jacksonville does apply with that 10 to 15 mile per hour win. Not ideal, but not one we're again, extra worried about the Falcons and Washington do have a chance for rain, but still just a green level of concern. The two matchups we got worried a little more about bears at the jets, decent chance for rain and the winds are also there and also Raiders at the Seahawks. Good chance for rain with some light winds as well. So definitely in tournaments I'm with you because just a pretty easy strategy for getting different tournaments. Look at the chalky running backs and then play the pass catchers from that offense. So with Kenneth Walker expect to pull in plenty of ownership. I do think going to Geno Smith, Lockett, Metcalf, however you want to make up that stack makes a lot of sense. And with Jeff Wilson taking away all this ownership, similar sentiment with Tua, Tyreek, and Waddle. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That has been a money stack throughout the season with Tua and them absolutely crushing him. I guess I'm waiting, Nick, to see Tua and company like have a matchup that actually pushes them because, my God, the dude comes back from injury and he plays the Steelers. Looks pretty damn horrendous on Sunday night. Since then, we've seen them absolutely massacre, at least on offense, the Lions, the Bears, and the Browns. So, no, I'm not expecting the Texans to give us the answer to this question. But Week 13, Dolphins at 49ers. Get your popcorn ready for that one. Over at running back now, again, I mentioned all the value at running back. And it's not that, and even in tournaments, like I'm not saying you need to have every single person on your roster be sub 5% owned. That said, these guys are going to be awfully chalky. And if you do want to try to separate yourself from potentially upwards of, you know, 20 to 40% of the other lineups in the field, if you can't find a way around fading guys like Jeff Wilson, like Samaje Pirine, and like Rashad White in tournaments, you're going to be doing yourself a lot of favors. So that would just be the question there. Nick, because I think those guys are shaping up to be the three highest owned running backs. Jeff Wilson at 5.9, Samaje at 5.6, and Rashad White at just 5.1K. I'm most confident and would be most willing to eat the Jeff Wilson chalk in cash and tournaments alike. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what people do with the late week news on Raheem Mostert. Like how many people are paying attention during Thanksgiving and Black Friday stuff? How like how many folks are going to be figuring out or hearing the news that that he is, you know, doubtful. I I think we can comfortably say going to be out. Um I have all sorts of data here on Jeff Wilson, but uh, since since joining Miami, he's top five in yards per carry, missed tackles forced, and explosive run plays. Houston's defense, bottom five in PFF run defense grade, average depth of tackle, missed tackles forced, or yeah, missed tackles uh, in run defense, and negatively graded run defense play rate. I mean, it's like, is the perfect matchup. We already talked about the spread. Um, the the PFF ownership projects him projections have met uh 10.6%. I'm wondering if something close to that can hold just with the wait late week news. Um it might, I don't know, it, this might be a unique situation where the guy who appears to be crazy chalky is only just mildly chalky, but we'll see. And there is so much like again, I listed all the guys there and we also have, you know, Antonio Gibson's, Kenneth Walker you can pay up, Josh Jacobs in a pre- pretty decent spot. So it could be with all these options out there that no one single guy is exactly going to be booming, but we'll continue to get those, you know, ownership projections updated. Those were done as of yesterday. So obviously going to change a little bit with those injuries, but yeah, Nick, normal, real humans out there like touch grass during the football season, unlike us. Uh, maybe they aren't quite as tuned in specifically this weekend. That said, I do think there is plenty of options that still have good upside in that range that you can get behind and pivot off of at least the relatively more chalky options. Already talked about Pacheco at 55 K Michael Carter, 5.4 K. I mean, again, Mike white captain check down under center to me, that's much better news for Michael Carter and Tyler Conklin, as opposed to anyone else. And even Deontay Foreman at 5.5 K we've seen Josh Jacobs actually have a lot of success against his Broncos defense. I think they are correct. Just like the Eagles, just like the Cowboys of being more willing to be a better pass defense than a run defense. But Deontay Foreman, they're just one point dogs at home. That lines actually moved from, I think Denver two and a half, to favoring the Panthers and I, I don't trust Sam Darnold even a little bit Nick I mean friends of the podcast who have been listening to me for a good three years now I mean I'm sure they remember just day after day I couldn't keep talking about how terrible he was going to be in Carolina that said if I do think there's any path to the Bron- to the Panthers knocking off the Broncos it's probably going to be a Deontay Foreman 20-30 touch game and this would even be an instance where you could stack Foreman with the Panthers at home against an atrocious Broncos offense so I don't hate the idea on saying it's Russell Wilson versus Sam Darnold and how's Darnold going to move the ball if the Panthers are going to do anything though it's probably going to be on the back of Deontay Foreman All right, a little bit of wide receiver talk. In terms of cash, loving the thought process of being able to get Christian Kirk at 6.5K and Keenan Allen at 6.1, just still too cheap, I think, relative to their overall target shares. And the same thing is is also true for Juju Smith-Schuster. I think only 5.7K seems to be getting you know downgraded because of the injuries as opposed to what he can actually bring to the table. So if you do that and you take some of the discounts at running back, you're actually able to get up to a DeAndre Hopkins, even a Devontae. Adams this week if that's your cup of tea so again a lot of value at the midpoints at both running back and wide receiver so I think Nick like probably the better move if you wanted to get different in tournaments is to pick, do kind of rags to riches go up really high or go up really low when possible and I get it you might need you know a guy here or there Traylon Burks at 4.2k even Zay Jones at 4.6k I think are viable you know still mid-ish price guys that aren't going to be as chalky but again if anything 
anything, man, I'm feeling in tournaments trying to pay up for the Tyreeks, Devontae Adams, even McCaffrey, Eckler. And I know you can't have a bunch of them in the same lineup or anything. We only have $50,000 to work with. That said, though, it does seem like if you just want to make your, you know, optimize your lineup. Everyone, a lot of people go out there and they just hit the lineup optimizer. They're not hand building it. Nick, like uh, Peter Overset has taught us is the uh, optimal way to do things over the years. But Again, with that in mind, seems like going with the rags and riches approach could be a nice base way to get a little bit contrarian in tournaments. Yeah, and like I, I loved your mention there of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, um, Zach Ertz is is on the shelf. Marquise Brown playing limited. Rondell Moore, uh, the the groin issue. Greg Dorch hasn't practiced all week with the thumb. Like, I, I think that that DeAndre Hopkins should be the betting favorite to lead the league in in targets this week, and I I, I think he should be ranked as the the overall wide receiver one. This Chargers defense is really bad. I mean, they're number thirty in PFF coverage grade, number thirty one in yards allowed per coverage snap. I think he's going to thrash them. So I'm like, I would try to get a, a, a Hopkins lineup or two. And I think we can also look at Trey McBride moving on to tight end uh, in that Cardinal situation. I mean, only 3.1K. And when I talked to uh, Nathan Yonke on our waiver show every Tuesday, talking about McBride's usage, it wasn't quite as good as we wanted. And Nate brought up the point where it wasn't because Max Williams or someone else was taking away snaps from McBride. It was because they were actually leaning more back into four wide receiver sets without Ertz. Makes sense. I can wrap my mind around that. But you take away the wide receivers that were allowing you to have more four wide receiver sets. And I do think McBride, low key, man, what if he's the kind of the volume heavy slot guy in Arizona this week? Because we've seen them reluctant to ever really move DeAndre outside that left wide receiver spot. Maybe it's Marquise Brown. I could see that. He did a lot of that early on in the year without Rondale in the picture. But if we don't have Dorch, we don't have Rondale. I, I don't think we're going to see Robbie, A.J. Green, Marquise Brown, and DeAndre Hopkins combining to keep Trey McBride off the field. So, again, I'm not guaranteeing McBride goes out there and gets 8 to 10 targets. I don't think I'm going to have him ranked inside my top tight end, top 10 tight ends this week. Still someone in tournaments, just 3.1K or even cash. I am fine with some Trey McBride. I think the other question here at tight end, uh, Nick, is if we're willing to go and pay up at tight end. I talked earlier about having so much value if you do um just that running back and wide receiver in the midpoints if you do want to embrace some of those guys i would say you know you have more than enough salary for once to get go ahead and pay up at the position we do have travis kelsey sitting at 7.7k and Honestly, just I do think over the years, if you look, watch tight end, we have guys like Kelsey where if he was just called a wide receiver, like wouldn't he maybe be priced like a thousand bucks more, like just <laughs> relative to his you know production he's putting up? Because I think he's probably projected for a similar amount of points as your hop, as your Adams and Hill. But there he goes sitting as a value similar to DeAndre Hopkins. That said, if Kelsey is a value at 7.7, then we know Mark Andrews is a value at 6.5K. Duvernay banged up. Demarcus Robinson is banged up. Isaiah Likely is banged up. And it's Mark freaking Andrews anyway. Who cares about the rest of those entries? It just makes life that much better. So again, not completely in the clear with the weather in Jacksonville. Keep an eye on that leading up to Sunday. Doesn't seem detrimental though. Could we finally see a breakthrough Mark Andrews game, Nick? Because it has been a while, although not really to any fault of Andrews. He's just been a little bit banged up. Yeah. So he is. he's off the injury report. Uh, among 35 NFL tight ends with at least 25 targets this year, Andrews is top three in PFF receiving grade, targets per outrun, yards per outrun, and explosive pass plays generated. 
anytime a, a tight end has a matchup against Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker Devin Lloyd, who is like abominably the worst coverage linebacker in the NFL. Uh, like I'm excited to start him. The fact that this week it's it's Mark Andrews. I I think not only should you pay up for him, quote unquote, pay up for him. I think that you could get really creative. Like maybe the lineup features Trey McBride in the tight end slot, and then Mark Andrews at the flex, and just try to go for some differentiation there. Because I I think this is like a King Kong type of week. Love it. And I like that two tight ends in the same lineup call because we do have uh, Sky Moore, Justin Watson. If you want to go down all the way there, a wide receiver. If he plays, Greg Dorch is just at 3,100. But man, after that, like you're starting to have to go all the way up to probably that low 4K range where we have our Julios and our Traylon Brooks of the world to really save money. So again, I'm keep talking about the rags and riches. The probably easiest place to find some of those rags is going to be the very low points of tight end. Great call right there, Nick. And finally, just that defense. I do think the chalky and deservedly so cash game defense are going to be the Chiefs sitting there. Just 2.8K against Bryce Perkins. Say no more with that. And with that, we're going to wrap up another edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Nick, we always appreciate you on Fridays. You have plenty of great stuff at PFF.com. Let the folks know what you got going on over there and also across the rest of the industry. You are a busy man, my friend. Thanks, Ian. Yeah, so uh, today we had the uh, top five wide receiver cornerback matchups to target and avoid come out. Tomorrow morning, we'll have the DFS Cheat sheet. You can find my rankings and podcast at Nerdball Fantasy Football. You can find streaming defenses and starts and sits at four for four and the weekly uh, five things we've learned recap at the 33rd team. Follow me at Nick Bottaford NFL. Great day to be great. As always, I got all my shit up at pff.com. You guys know how it goes. QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end, the shadow matchups, mismatch manifesto, and even the injury report that we just talked about. But guess what? I took a lot of notes and I said, if I'm going to write freaking 2,000, 3,000 words for prepping a podcast, we might as well turn down to an article. So we got you guys covered there as well. So again, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Go Bucks! Fuck Michigan. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys this entire pod. So for Nick, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 